everybody, and welcome to the For the Win podcast. I am your Tuesday host, Charles Curtis, and back from the road, we have our baseball writer, Ted Berg, who just finished covering the World Series. Ted, welcome home. Charles, thank you for welcoming me home. It's good to be back. Yeah, uh, on today's edition of the For the Win podcast, we will discuss, uh, we'll look back at the Red Sox uh, winning a championship again. Uh, we'll look ahead at Manny Machado and Bryce Harper hitting free agency. And Ted will look back one more time on the World Series and defend Dave Roberts. Uh, so let's start with, with the Red Sox. Uh, to me, like, the, the thing with this this World Series is I woke up yesterday, what we're taping this on Tuesday, and I felt like it just ended kind of like, blah. Like, this is the best team in baseball. The best team in baseball won. Uh, they... they they kind of put it all together at the right time. There was nothing particularly, how should I describe it, crazy about this team, weird about They're not the Cubs winning. It's not the first time the Red Sox are winning. Did, did you feel that way at all? I did. I mean, I think I think a lot of it was that uh, they just steamrolled everybody to the extent that it didn't uh, allow the series to get long enough to really draw a ton of attention. Like, I, I was... I was saying to you before the show, I, I felt like I, I was on the road for most of the month, and I was on the Red Sox for the entire postseason. Uh, I only got a few really good games, you know. Like there, there were uh, there were good games. There was a, a tight game and, and a tight series in the NLCS. I mean, the, the Red Sox beat up on the Astros for the most part. There was that one crazy game in Houston uh, that ended with the the Andrew Benintendi diving catch. That was a great game. Uh, the rest of that series, I, I felt like most of most of the games were, were fairly lopsided by the end. It felt like the Red Sox did such a good job uh, sort of biding their time and finding the weak spot in every pitching staff that you know, you'd have games that were like fairly tight in the sixth inning, and then all of a sudden someone hit a three-run home run, and you're like, ah, oh, this is a laugher. And so uh, there weren't a lot of reasons you needed to be tuned in in the eighth and the ninth and, and at the edge of your seat. Uh, and, and even in the World Series, there was, you know, there was the big comeback uh, in, in Game 4. There was obviously the crazy 18-inning Game 3. But then, uh, you know, Game 5, it's, it's sort of a laugher, right? It's, it's just, you know, the Red Sox are, are in command for, for the whole game. Uh, really just as they were for the whole postseason. And so I think it it, um, it didn't, you know, it's great. It's great for if you're a Red Sox fan, this was a great postseason because it was comfortable. But I don't think it was probably terribly, and I know baseball loves the Red Sox-Dodgers ma- matchup because of, of the, the markets. I don't know that the way the postseason played out this was the best for baseball just because there wasn't a ton of I totally agree. I, it wasn't that compelling, and and that's that's fine for for you know it's just the truth about you know this this series and and uh, uh, but at the same time like I wanted to ask you how did you how do you get through eighteen innings of a game like wh- what's your secret coffee I'm, I'm imagining but like do you have I don't know certain things you're doing so I was on recap duty um, which is. You know, and like I said, like uh, the first like five or six games of the postseason this year that I covered, there wasn't a single lead change. So writing recaps was a breeze. You know, you can you know, like a, I mean, this is sausage factory stuff, but you kind of you you prep that in the sixth or seventh inning. You need to have it ready to go uh, when the game ends. 
when you're trying to, when you have to have something ready to go, when the game ends and the game goes 18 innings, it means you you can't leave your seat, you know. So so uh, it was uh, there was a lot of coffee. There was a, a lot of coffee went in, and way 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 too many Dodger Stadium hot dogs. <laughs> Dodger dogs, right? Those are those are delicious. Yeah, I mean you gotta you gotta keep uh, yourself going. It's, I'm, you know, this is this has happened to me once before, and it was, I guess, in 2013 when the Red Sox won. Um, Fenway Park and Dodger Stadium are both beautiful. I, I think Dodger Stadium, especially, is one of my favorite parks in the country. Uh, in terms of how it is for for media, uh, it's not necessarily the best setup when you've been on the road the whole time. In in both cases, they're kind of cramped spaces, I, and I'm not. This is it's an awesome thing to do. I'm not complaining about it. I would you know would happily go back today and cover another game at Dodger Stadium. Um, there's a lot of stair climbing and ramp climbing, and there isn't the greatest uh, healthy food options available at either park. And you know that I'm not a healthy food guy. But when you've been on the road for 20 straight days, you're like, man, I kind of need a salad right now. And all I've got is hot dogs and nacho cheese. And, yeah. And, and in Boston, they serve hot dogs and lobster rolls. And lobster rolls are a big treat for a lot of people. But uh, as you may know, I don't I don't eat lobster. And so I am limited to hot dogs. I must have eaten, God, I don't even want to think, I don't even put a number on how many hot dogs I ate in, this month. But somewhere around your 20th hot dog in a calendar month, that's when you're like, no, I really just don't want to eat any more hot dogs. <laughs> well, I would, I would think that all the stair climbing and all that would sort of offset that. That's what I used to think when I covered the, the Rangers for six months back in, what was it, 2012, 2013. Uh, you'd have to, like, kind of go up and down the stairs between periods to, like, use the bathroom and, I don't know, whatnot. And, um you know, I used to think to myself, like, oh, I'm taking the stairs, like, it's healthy, I've been sitting on my, my duff for 20 minutes, like, yeah, I get to go, so I don't know if you, if you feel that way, but, uh, and, and, you know, I mean, yeah, go ahead. I make a point, of, I make a point of, like, walking or taking a bike share to the park every day, too, so, like, I, you know, I tried, you kind of have to, to, to get any sort of exercise when, when you're that busy, I guess, um, it's just the, like, it, it was just, I, I was, I guess I was just talking about, like, the total toll on the body. Sure. There's a lot between, especially when you're traveling, too. Just, like, there's a lot of lugging things, and uh, my backpack broke, so I wound up with a very uncomfortable backpack. And, like, I kept joking to people during the last couple of days, like, I feel like I've been playing the games. Like, I wake up, and it's like, why did my hip hurt? Like, what did I do to my hip? <laughs> you know, and, and, and why is my elbow aching? Um, and it's just, it's, it's a grind, you know, again, it's super fun. I got to stand on the field at Dodger stadium, like right out on the infield. I could have stood on second base if I wanted while the Red Sox were celebrating. Um, you get to see all these awesome things you get to see. I mean, the 18 inning game, that's awesome. That was awesome. And that was the, the crazy thing it was like, it was a, it was a lot of work and it was a lot of stress when you're writing the recap. But my baseball fan instinct is so strong that I'm like, well, whatever. Like, this is so cool that I get to be here. It's hard, but it's dope. Right, right. Um, what is when we look back at this this Red Sox team? Like, what's their what's their place in history or legacy in some ways? I mean, I think they're. I mean, I, don't, I'm, I was kind of surprised that these takes didn't come out faster, uh, given that they won 108 games and and steamrolled the postseason. I think they're one of the best teams of all time. Mm. I mean, I think that that's how that's how you got to look at it in, in terms of history, right? There are not a lot of teams win 108 games. 
Uh, and certainly not a lot of teams win 108 games and then only lose three in the entire course of the postseason. Um, you know, I, I haven't looked into where they rank compared to the best teams ever. I think there are a couple of Yankee clubs that are probably better. Uh, Boston doesn't want to hear. But I don't know. I mean, I would be shocked if you could find me evidence that there were 10 teams since the dawn of the live ball era who had more success from the regular season and in the postseason than these Red Sox did. That's really fascinating, and and it's funny. That's maybe that plays into like the boring aspect of it. Like they're so good that they're boring. Like you think of like the Seattle Mariners with the Brett Boone team that won all those games and lost in the postseason. It's like, well, you know, everyone was clamoring for them to be taken down. But here's a team that just did its job, did damage, as they as they said in their their hashtag, you know, uh, and and just just you know, it, they they came in, they did it, they're out, and right. That's a really interesting point. Maybe something to explore. Um, and it's just when I think of this team, I'm going to start thinking about like Chris Sale and uh, I'm going to start thinking about uh, Mookie Betts just being and of course he had a brutal postseason. Um, but still, you know, a lot of, you know, Benedetti is a great player to watch. They've just got a lot of names that are fun to watch and really good at baseball. Do you, is there was there like a storyline like was was it Steve Pierce for you? Like your favorite storyline to follow with with this championship? Because I have one that is not Steve Pierce. Uh, I think my favorite story with this championship, and just because it's, it, I think it, it's important for like how baseball is going to be played in the next few years, um, was the way Alex Cora got uh, like used uh, the, at the beginning of the postseason. I was like, the Red Sox are not going to go deep because for as good as they are on offense and as good as they are in the rotation, they just don't have the bullpen, and that's the type of thing that. Uh, makes a huge difference in the postseason, especially when we saw Craig Kimbrell shaky. Mm -hmm. Um, The way Alex Cora used his starting pitchers, I think, is fascinating. Um, You know, we've seen, obviously, postseason examples of guys coming out, you know, maybe in Game 7, a guy on short rest, Madison Bumgarner, coming out of the bullpen and, and doing long relief. We've seen Kershaw do it. But that it became just this regular thing. Like, day two after your start, you are now our eighth inning guy. Um, I think, uh, and, and I don't think you'll see it happen immediately. I think that's like an all hands on deck for the postseason type thing. And that's how they, they sell people on it. I think you start seeing teams like the Rays and the A's, like these sort of innovative, uh, small market clubs that need to find ways to, to cover innings and, and save money. I think that might be a better recipe than the traditional five man rotation to say, Hey, we don't, we don't need you to go seven. What we need you to do is go four or five innings on Monday and then give us an inning or two out of the bullpen on Thursday. Hmm. You know, and, and and so you're still getting your seven innings a week uh, or seven innings every five turns. But I think that since we know that changing up your pitchers is an advantage, I think teams will realize that there's an advantage in uh, changing that formula for starting pitchers and, and uh, using more pitchers uh, and, and finding ways to spread out those innings in, in a way that uh, better benefits everybody. That's deeply fascinating, uh, and especially in a year when we've seen sort of the innovation of the use of pitchers has, has become the big storyline. Uh, my, by the way, my, my favorite storyline is pretty simple. It's David, David Price, like watching him tear up yeah. uh, in front of everybody after what he's been through 
over the la over his career basically and, and and going from this really great pitcher to struggling to being sort of the goat to a World Series winner like those are the stories like watching him tear up I was it, it got a little misty for me because I was like man what that guy must have gone through so that was, that was just my take I mean I, I like your on the way home from, on the way home from the first I guess on the way home from the first leg of the mm -hmm. first series of the ALDS um, after Price had a rough start against the Yankees in game two. I was listening to Boston Sports Talk Radio, and it was fait accompli that the Red Sox need to cut David Price in the offseason. They need to eat his salary mm. and trade him just to get rid of him. And I was like, angry, I, and I never, you know, like, I never listen to Sports Talk Radio because it, it makes me angry, typically. <laughs> I was like, like mad in my car, like, are you nuts? You're, you're gonna, this team's gonna eat like $150 million just to get rid of a guy who's been a pretty good pitcher for them for the last three years. I mean, he had one injury riddle season. He had one sort of weird year. But he's been pretty good. And, and they're saying, well, this guy obviously just can't pitch in the postseason, so we need to get rid of him. Yeah, uh, yeah it, made me, it made me really happy to Adam see him you. succeed. Yeah. Um, even, even as he sort of, like, spun it on, like, oh, well, Screw you, baseball media. And you want to stand up and be like, yo, bro, not all of us, all right? But, <laughs> uh, he definitely had a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. Like, I don't know if you saw that whole press conference, but he was like, man, you guys kept playing that card, and now I have that card, and it's not yours anymore. Yeah. And he was like, oh, well, hold on. Like, I, I didn't play that card. You know, and I, I, I don't know. Um, but it was it was dope. And, like, I, like I, I tweeted this. Uh, he got a standing ovation coming off the field at Dodger Stadium uh, in in the last game there, and that gave me chills. Like, and that I'm so old and jaded and cynical that that type of stuff never happens. But it was like, oh my god, like what a what a cool moment. Yeah, you know, that, like to to just dominate and just have these Dodger Stadium fans, and there were a lot of Red Sox fans there as well. But just to have people who'd be like, yeah, you know what, like good for this guy. Yeah, exactly. Uh, quick, you said you, you before the podcast you were going to defend Dave Roberts, who got a lot of ire and and uh, on the internet including from uh, our our president. president yeah that was uh, that came out of nowhere which is funny because nothing comes out of nowhere it seems with him but like i was like oh you're tweeting about baseball now this oh like mass shootings and a terrorist bombing and yeah. the president's like Why is dave roberts so bad so what's your what's uh, your take on dave roberts <laughs> my take on dave roberts is that and and like i i was just on a uh a radio show with uh, a host who's a Dodgers fan and it sounded like he was ready to run Dave Roberts out of town. Seems like there's a lot of uh, that sentiment among Dodgers fans right now. I mean, last year it was the opposite story, right? Last year every button Dave Roberts pushed seemed to work out at least up until like game five of the World Series. We were saying, man, Dave Roberts has been masterful getting the Dodgers through this postseason. He's taken the club to World Series in back-to-back -back years. Um, he's by you know he's sort of by the new book how he works right he he relies on platoons a lot uh, he is has an extremely quick trigger with his pitchers that works I mean for the most part that has worked uh, it worked for the Dodgers all season long it's what they do it's not necessarily necessarily something you're accustomed to aesthetically if you are. Uh, say, you know, the President of the United States and you can only have a time to drop in and watch one World Series game. But that's the way the game's going. I mean, that, that is just how it's been. And, and Roberts is sort of at the forefront. I think he's a good manager and I think 
uh, more than anything, you know, all of these decisions, all of these judgments are made in retrospect, right? If his bullpen gets him out of that game, which he absolutely should have expected, right? Like, they had a four-run lead. You should be able to get three innings from your bullpen with a four-run lead in, in a World Series game. They blew up, and so he looks bad. It was the players letting him down in that case, and and the Red Sox just you know being that good. I, I don't I don't think if I mean I'm not running the Dodgers, and that's probably for the best. <laughs> if I'm running the Dodgers, there is no chance I fire this guy. How, what message does it send if you fire a guy after back to back World Series? Right. right? Like, and, but like if if they're gonna be an analytical team, they know it's random. They know that luck is involved, and and. To reach that that level, you look, you just you you're not guaranteed you're going to win, right? Like last year, they were one win away from winning the World Series. This year, they were three wins away from winning the World Series. Uh, that's a good team. I think he's a good manager. It seems like the players like him. Um, I think his biggest mistake, honestly, that he made the whole postseason was saying he had that conversation with Rich Hill, where Rich Hill said, you know, take a close look at me because that is. Uh, like a one of these weird violations of baseball code, I think, and and I think that that's the type of thing that that might raise some eyebrows among players. Mm. Just that he suggested that Hill um, said to him, maybe I need to come out of this game, um, but it does seem like that really happened. And so again, that's another item really in his defense. Interesting. Uh, speaking of the Dodgers, we gotta we gotta wonder. Where is Manny Machado going? Uh, and, and, and connected to that, obviously, Bryce Harper. We're coming to this big decision. And I just want to – I know you're going to agree with me. I, oh, maybe you won't. I don't know. I just don't know what the heck Bryce, uh, uh, Manny Machado is doing with all these antics when he's going to get paid this offseason. And now we've got – I've seen some, some quotes from anonymous folks saying, oh, we're not signing Manny Machado. We don't want to deal with that. And I'm just like, just, just, can you just put that in your back pocket, man, Machado, for five seconds? Like, obviously, there's a history of him doing some questionable things. But if you're going to get paid in the offseason, like, just, just can it for, like, you know, for eight games or whatever it might be. And just, you know, go get your money. And then you can then you can resume, you know, coming in spikes high or, or you know, uh, kicking a guy at first base, whatever it might be. Uh, so, so. I don't know if that's your feeling, but also connected to that, like, is Manny Machado going to stay in L.A. or is he going to go and, and get paid elsewhere? Um, I think he'll go in and I think he'll probably go get paid elsewhere. I, I would be surprised if they bring him back just because uh, they have they have Turner locked up and they have they have Corey Seager coming back from injury to play shortstop. So I don't see them bringing him back. I think I, I don't know that he's the most popular guy there after the postseason that he had. Like I think it, he didn't exactly force the issue by playing so well and becoming a hero. You know, like the way I think probably like. The Red Sox are going to bring back Nathan Uvalde and Steve Pierce, right? They're going to find a way to get that done because it's a bad look if you don't bring those guys back after the World Series. They had Manny Machado, not that situation. Um, it's very weird. Uh, it's because you talk to people, people who know him, um, Steve Pierce, who got spiked by him, and you know, and they're like, "This guy's great. We love him. He's a good guy. He he works really hard. He tries really hard. He's he wants to be the best." Um, and then Machado himself was like, yeah, I don't, I don't like to run out ground balls. That's not my cup of tea. Um, what a weird, like, it was just so weird, you know? Like, yes. yeah, um, and it's so hard to figure out what motivates this guy, but I think ultimately, uh, he's a great player and someone's going to step up and pay him. Uh, I kind of feel like the Yankees are, are going to be, I, I just 
I feel like the Yankees are not going to sit idly by this this offseason. Um, I think that you know they they did so much to get under the luxury tax threshold with their eye on this particular winter and and the free agents that will be available. Uh, it has always felt like Harper would be a Yankee. Uh, I kind of feel like Machado makes more sense for both parties because the Yankees have a lot of outfielders. Didi Gregorius is going to be out for the season, so now all of a sudden they have a need on the infield uh, and a team that's that's ready to contend. Uh, Harper, he, I mean, I would be surprised if he goes back to Washington, but it does sound like there's rumblings about that. Uh, the Phillies have been a team people talk about a lot, and I feel like the, I don't know, it seems like wide open for Harper. Like, between him... Uh, and his reputation and his agent and how many teams uh, know that bringing in Bryce Harper is just going to make you uh, the story of the offseason because yeah. it's Harper. I feel like that makes that's a big wild card, right? And and like some team you would never expect could step up and be like, hey, you know, like Bryce Harper's on the Houston Astros now. We are the super team. Like this is our version of signing Durant. And now it's now it's all happening. Like I, you know, like I could see, um, I could see it going a very predictable way. But I could also see some team that no one's really expecting making a play for him, sort of jumping in big. Yeah, I keep thinking about like the 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 Padres inexplicably. You know, nice weather. Or, you know, West Coast, whatever. And then you got like a team like Philadelphia. There was talk for five seconds in the in the during the season it was like oh maybe Machado and Harper could go there. And I'm like, well, maybe Harper could go there. Stays in the East. Um, you know, is on a team that's on the rise. You know, uh, they they like sixty five home runs there next year. Right. Like, I mean, the Yankee Stadium, uh, man, it would be so good. Uh, like, both of these guys seem like such obvious Yankees to me. Yes, they do. Uh, <laughs> so, it, it, like, it feels like the Yankees have to get one of them um, because the Yankees love the villain. You know, <laughs> um, and I don't think I don't think Harper's the like. I feel like. Uh, I, I don't know who said this, and it wasn't my thought, but someone was like, Machado is the guy that everyone makes out Bryce Harper to be. You know, like, oh, like it's yeah. like everyone, everyone sort of beats up on Harper that he's a bad dude and that he's selfish and that he's, you know, like all these different things. But, like, there's not really a lot of evidence that and Bryce Harper's ever bothered his teammates too much, that he's ever played in some sort of violent way. Uh, to hurt anyone but himself when he, you know, goes all out, and and you know Machado does have these these marks against him, and so uh, I don't think I don't think Bryce Harper, I I don't think the like, I think the villain card was sort of put on him early because he happened to be an ostentatious home run hitting nineteen year old. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just don't think he's like. Uh, I don't think he's a guy you really worry about bringing in, whereas Machado now you're like, ah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll leave it at that. Uh, you can see all things Ted Berg at OG Ted Berg on Twitter. Uh, and we'll probably have you back on this winter when Machado and Harper get signed. So, Ted, thank you as always for stopping by, and, and uh, welcome back from, from your days on the road. Thank you for having me.